T-minus 21 seconds, and the solid uh, rocket booster engine gimbal now underway. T-minus 15 seconds. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. We have main engine start. 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. Liftoff of the 25th Space Shuttle mission, and it has cleared the tower. This is Steve Spears, and I'm Brad in L.A., and this is a Stuck in the 80s moment in time. Today, we mark the 30th anniversary of the Space Shuttle Challenger explosion. Engines beginning throttling down now at 94%. Normal throttles uh, for most of the flight, 104%. We'll throttle down to uh, 65% shortly. Engines at 65%, three engines uh, running normally, three good fuel cells. Three good APUs. Velocity 2,257 feet per second. Altitude 4.3 nautical miles. Downrange distance 3 nautical miles. So it was January 28, 1986, when the 80s generation probably got what would be their own signature Where Were You Now moment. I don't think anyone could have predicted that it would come in the form of a space program disaster. The flight of the Challenger was the 25th launch of the space shuttle program, and I think most people those days were probably beginning to dismiss the launches as just merely routine. Right, Brad? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't know how well you remember the initial launch. I I was so excited by space travel as a kid, and I really kind of still am. Uh, And I remember the initial launch was on a Sunday morning. I couldn't tell you exactly what day it is. The reason I know it was a Sunday morning is because I had to deliver my papers. You know, I had a paper out. I was the only one up in the house. Uh, I got up to watch it early, and it just was it, – it, it blew me away. It was the coolest thing. I'm like, we're doing this. We're going back into space. You know, but like you say, by the time the 25th mission came around, you know, it had been kind of advertised to the American public as this is going to be like a space truck. We're going to use it to get stuff up to space. We're going to bring stuff back. We're going to go up and fix stuff. And it was not, you know, it, it wasn't as special anymore. And I think if I'm, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think only CNN had live coverage of this launch. Right. Because it just was, even though there was a civilian going up, which was a huge deal, um, it just didn't merit live air anymore. And I think if it hadn't been for uh, uh, Kristen McAuliffe, the 37-year-old high school social studies teacher from Concord, New Hampshire, who was on board, if she hadn't been on board, this mission probably would have been, been noticed by nobody. Yeah, it's interesting that there is as little video footage of this as there is. I mean, you know, yeah, we would be talking about some equivalent to the Zapruder film if not for uh, Krista McAuliffe being on that flight. I think you're right. So the 25th Space Shuttle mission is now on the way after more delays than NASA cares to count. This morning, it looked as though they were not going to be able to get off. One minute, 15 seconds. Velocity, 2,900 feet per second. Altitude, 9 nautical miles. Downrange distance, 7 nautical miles. Looks like a couple of the uh, solid rocket boosters uh, blew away from the side of the shuttle in an explosion. Flight controllers here looking very carefully at the situation. Obviously a major malfunction. 
So take us back to January 28th. Um, you're the engineer. See if you can explain to <laughs> us uh, what happened to the Challenger. Okay. So by the time they actually launched the Challenger on the 28th, it had been delayed a number of times. It had almost a week it had been on hold. Uh, any number of reasons from there being bad weather, either there or at the emergency landing sites. And one day they had a stripped bolt that they had to replace by the time they got it out. I'm like, that's the kind of stuff that happens on my car. It's kind of scary that that happens on the space shuttle. But I'm sure this was on the minds of NASA management um, when they set the launch date for the 28th. Thiokol, which was the company that made the booster rockets, basically said, look, guys, the temperatures are too low. Uh, We're really concerned that that's going to cause a failure. Uh, We don't think you should launch. It's funny you mentioned the weather. Uh, you know, obviously, I live in Florida, and I think there's this f- image that we have nationwide where it's always warm in Florida. Like we never have cold days. That's true, right? No. <laughs> in fact, as I'm sitting here right now, I think the low today is in the 30s. So it, it's very rare, but it still happens. And it, when it does happen, it's usually late January. So while some people may have just figured weather's never going to be a factor, especially cold weather. I could tell you right now as I'm sitting here, you know, in my apartment, yes, cold weather happens in Florida. Yeah, and there was a ton of ice actually that morning on the on the gantry, which was a whole other problem. But it's it's just horrifying to me as an engineer what happened next. Uh, you know, Thiokol engineers toward NASA that don't don't launch, scrub the launch because of the temperatures. And and NASA basically bullied them out of that position. They said, Well, you know, are you really sure about that? And and got them to back down. So they went ahead with the launch. We're awaiting word. They're holding their breath just, I'm sure, as everyone else is. You saw it just a few moments ago, about 45 seconds after liftoff, a huge fireball in the sky. We have a report from the flight dynamics officer that the vehicle has exploded. Flight director confirms that. We are looking at uh, checking with the recovery forces to see uh, what can be done at this point. So the solid rocket boosters... Are, that that's what failed, right? And the way that those were built, they were built out of a kind of a series of tubes. Like imagine toilet paper tubes stacked up on top of each other, right? And and to keep those tubes together, there are rubber seals, which are called O-rings. I'm sure everyone remembers the O-rings came up over and over again in the in the investigations. Um, you know, they're designed to flex and move and and maintain that seal between the sections. But because it had been so cold, one set of these rings just it failed. And it failed almost immediately. Uh, NASA was able to pinpoint uh, indications that it was failing as soon as six-tenths of a second after it lifted off. And, and as that seal failed, more and more propellant started exiting out through that breach in the booster. So less than a second after liftoff, NASA knows there's a problem. But do we know, was there any attempt made to, like, scuttle the, the launch at that point? Well, that's not really fair. When they looked back at the evidence, they were able to see – when they looked back at the pictures, they were able to say, oh, look, there's there's a – literally, there's a puff of smoke. Well, that's not supposed to be there. What was that? Well, you know, in hindsight, looking at the film, they were able to say, well, that's – you know, that's evidence that the O-ring is failing. Okay. And I guess – and you need the O-rings because if you you don't have a a series of tubes, I imagine – 
the 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 booster doesn't flex and you have a whole other set of problems. Yeah, there, there's a, a lot of reasons why it's built in sections like that. Uh, you know, the first thing a lot of people say is why didn't they just make one big long tube? Well, there's structural reasons not to do that. It's hard to fuel them. Anyway, I mean that that's the way they've built those boosters forever and ever. But anyway, I, I mean we all remember what happens. You know, 73 seconds after liftoff, the flight recorder, which was recovered, picked up the last words of the crew. The pilot, Michael Smith, saying, uh-oh, and almost immediately the shuttle broke up. And, you know, and, and we all remember that image, that the, the smoke and the boosters just tracing that Y through the sky. I, I, mean, I, can, I can picture it now. Oh, sure, yeah. I can too. And then, and then, as you look back on the footage these days, which you can find anywhere, you know, on YouTube, you start to see the debris starting to fall. Yeah, and I think that's when I—that's when I sort of thought, okay, something's really gone wrong. Yeah, big time. And the thing that I didn't realize until years later—I guess I just didn't think about it or read about it or I blocked it out—is that the crew cabin was thrown clear. They're pretty sure it was intact. Well, it it was intact. they're not sure what the state of the occupants were, but it, it free fell for almost three minutes. There's not any conclusive evidence either way, but it's possible a lot of people believe that the crew was alive and may have been conscious at the moment of impact, which uh, just, oh, God, I can't. Mm. No, yeah, you just don't want to believe that. You don't want to even uh, think about that. They had emergency oxygen systems that they could put on, and there was evidence that some of them had been used for an amount of time that was consistent with the, the time that they fell. There are switches that were in, in positions that they would not have been in for takeoff. So it just, oh, that's truly horrifying. So as a result of it, there was a presidential commission, was there not, investigating the disaster? Yeah, the Roberts Commission. And and this is the thing that just that infuriates me as much as anything is this O-ring problem – that had come up in 1977. Jeez. This is a known problem. They knew it had been an issue, and they'd kind of poo-pooed away and, and kind of waved their hands. Well, you know, so and so the the presidential commission. Uh, the quote that I got out of the report was that this is an accident rooted in history. Ah. You know, it was it was gonna happen, and uh, you know, I, I'm not the kind of person to wish ill on other people, but I'll make an exception here. The people that knew this was a problem, the people that greenlit that launch, I hope they have nightmares. Space travel is risky. That's like the stupidest thing I could say in this podcast. It's one of the riskiest things we've ever tried. And and the thought that NASA took something that is that inherently risky and made it even more risky compounded that because they didn't want to scrub a launch date. It, it makes me sick to my stomach. It does. I mean – when you look back on the history of NASA and manned space flight, there are other instances where bad decisions were made and people's lives were lost. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I think what I think this what made this one so unique was this was the first, um, the first but not the last time that an, a fatal accident had happened in flight. Right. Apollo One was on the ground. Right. Um, no less tragic, but still. Correct. Where were you uh, on January 28th, 1986 at uh, 11.39? <laughs> uh, 11.39 East Coast was 8.39. I was on my way to school, actually. It was my freshman year in college, and I was actually I was on my way to physics class. And as I parked uh, in the parking lot at UC Irvine, go Anteaters, um, the DJ broke in on K-Rock and and you know, basically broke the news in the middle of a song, which 
I can't remember any other time that you know that Kerock broke into a song for anything ever. So I, I remember I, I rushed into class. It was a big lecture hall, and started telling my friends. And basically, we just you know, we couldn't believe it. We couldn't get our heads around it. I was, I mean, we're the same age, and obviously we began college at the same time. So on that Tuesday morning, uh, approaching lunchtime, I was at the University of Florida uh, freshman year. Uh, this f- the spring semester had was had just started. I think maybe two or three weeks into it, and I had just gotten out of English class. And I remember biking back to my dorm and looking up in the sky because Gainesville is close enough oh, to. Did you see it? I could see it. Holy. Oh my gosh, that's giving me goosebumps. Um, it was a clear. It was a very, very clear day. No clouds in the sky. Um, from almost from most places in Florida, you can see a launch, uh, especially if it's a night launch. But in this case, it was a day launch. Gainesville is about is north of the launch site. It's in the middle of the state. Okay. But when I looked up into the sky, you could see the Y. Uh, oh my gosh. Where the and people and someone came up to me and said. What are you looking at? I'm like, I'm looking at the the funny clouds in the sky. And I'm like, that's not a funny cloud. The space shuttle exploded. And I, I didn't believe it. Because unlike you, I didn't have – I just <laughs> had someone who lived on my floor telling me. And, yeah. and so I said, of course – so of course, you know, I just yelled at him for being an <laughs> for joking Don't about something. Dick, yeah. yeah. And he said, no, come on in. And so we ran inside to the dorm, uh, little common area. And we had – the TV was on and – Sure enough, that's what was happening. And then as that was happening, you could look outside and people were still standing outside looking at in the sky, seeing the why. I mean, it, it was right there for everyone to see. Yeah, it's interesting because I saw something that you know, basically said 85% of the American public knew about this within a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. It was just – and I, 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 I doubt any of us went to class yeah. the, re- the rest of the day. Not that I usually needed a good reason for that. <laughs> But as good as reason as any. It's like it's only probably one time or two year in your life you have to pull the whole like I skipped class because a space shuttle exploded. But that's how I saw it. And that's that's whoa, that's crazy that you actually saw the class. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was just a it was it's it was, it's a sickening memory in my yeah. mind. I think about it every year this time. What's interesting to me anyway was that the result of this was that the space shuttle flight program obviously was delayed afterwards. All the flights were suspended. Yeah. And it would be uh, September 29th, 1988, when the next mission would go up. Um, I presume you were a senior in college just as I was. Yeah, yeah. And I was watching this with great interest. Right. I was... Here's here's what's interesting I to think me. Everybody in the United States was holding their breath that morning. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone I, that might, that probably remains the most watched shuttle flight. I'm sure. What's interesting to me was when the first explosion happened back in '86. I was a college freshman who I had no idea what I was going to do with my at college. I I had given up on my degree. I was going to be an accounting major. Fry cook I, on Venus. Yeah, fry cook on Venus was much more likely than me ever being a, an accountant. I remember that semester being really directionless. And then by the time the space shuttle continues in 88, at that point I'm a senior. I'm a semester away from graduating uh, with a journalism degree. And I remember being in class 
Mm-hmm. And it was a journalism class. Everyone stopped and they put it on television. And we all watched it. But I remember our assignment that day was to um, take lay out a front page of a newspaper, like a, a dummy newspaper, mm-hmm. sure. with with what elements would you include? Like what would be what would be your headline? What would be your art? What would be your stuff like that? So it, it became the, the the relaunch of the space program was as much a part of my life as anything from a professional standpoint. But uh, you know, it, it was just, I remember, and then I remember the next day, everyone brought in all the newspapers from around Florida, and we were all comparing headlines, and yeah, it was a professional exercise. Yeah, interesting. So It's funny, I know I watched the launch, and like I said, I know I was stressed out about it. I don't remember anything specific about it, but what I do remember is we went out to Edwards Air Force Base and watched it land. You know, back then, they were still landing it in, in California all the time, not just sometimes, and you couldn't get on the base but you could drive basically up to the edge of it. So like we left Irvine at something stupid, like three o'clock in the morning and drove out to the desert and we're standing out there in the scrub. And have you ever seen, did you ever see the shuttle land? I never saw it land or take off. It drops like a freaking rock. I mean, it came down so fast. We spotted it. You hear the sonic boom, you see it, it, you know, in the course of about, 20 seconds it went overhead made a turn and was on the ground wow i mean it came down fast uh but you know everybody the believe it or not the desert out there was full of people like us who were just all excited to watch it land and there's this big you know go america you know and everyone was cheering and you know it was it was pretty cool it was interesting enough i think what january 28 1986 might be just as well known for is Ronald Reagan's speech that night to the nation. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd planned to speak to you tonight to report on the State of the Union. But the events of earlier today have led me to change those plans. Today is a day for mourning and remembering. Nancy and I are pained to the core by the tragedy of the shuttle Challenger. We know we share this pain with all of the people of our country. This is truly a national loss. Nineteen years ago, almost to the day, we lost three astronauts in a terrible accident on the ground. But we've never lost an astronaut in flight. We've never had a tragedy like this. And perhaps we've forgotten the courage it took for the crew of the shuttle. But they, the Challenger 7, were aware of the dangers, but overcame them and did their jobs brilliantly. We mourn seven heroes. Michael Smith, Dick Scobie, Judith Resnick... Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Gregory Jarvis, and Krista Mikulov. We mourn their loss as a nation together. The families of the seven, we cannot bear, as you do, the full impact of this tragedy. But we feel the loss, and we're thinking about you so very much. Your loved ones were daring and brave, and they had that special grace, that special spirit that says, give me a challenge and I'll meet it with joy. They had a hunger to explore the universe and discover its truths. They wished to serve, and they did. They served all of us. Um, some people forget that that was actually supposed to be the, the date of the State of the Union address. President Reagan found out about the space shuttle explosion like the rest of us did. He was getting ready for a lunch with some, you know, some news folks, and the White House aides rushed in to tell him, and they turned on the television set, and they watched it along with everybody else. Yeah. Of course, the State of the Union address was postponed for a week, and his speechwriting staff went into overdrive to prepare, you know, something new for him to say. 
Later that night, he addressed the nation. It was only 650 words long. It lasted just over four minutes. And yet, as we all know, it's it's in the same regard as you know Abraham Lincoln's very short Gettysburg Address. It's considered one of the finest oratory moments in his presidency. So let's end our first ever Stuck in the 80s Moment in Time podcast by going back to the night of January 28th, 1986, and listen to those words from Ronald Reagan once more. There's a coincidence today. On this day, 390 years ago, the great explorer Sir Francis Drake died aboard ship off the coast of Panama. In his lifetime, the great frontiers were the oceans, and a historian later said he lived by the sea, died on it, and was buried in it. Well, today, we can say of the Challenger crew, their dedication was, like Drake's, complete. The crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger honored us for the manner in which they lived their lives. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them this morning, as they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye and slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. Thank you.